0: man, what's going on out there in podcast land. Thank you guys so much for listening to your boy, Kai Green with Kai Green Speaks. Um, you know, I'm really excited to be taking a moment to answer questions from uh, different members of the community. Um, so with everything that's been going on, I know people have questions around race and around George Floyd and, you know, just things. So I wanted to create a space by which um, people could anonymously ask questions race related questions uh that you know they may not be comfortable doing in a more public setting. So uh, anyway, what I'm going to be doing with these next few segments is grabbing questions that have rolled in from my Ask a Black Guy uh, form, which I'll tell you more about, and uh, and just kind of talking about those. These segments should be short, uh, hopefully anywhere from three to five minutes so that I'm not boring you guys to death, but just wanted to take a moment to be able to address some of the racial issues that are going on and give people a space to ask the questions that are really on their minds, okay? Well, great. Well, um, the first question I want to tackle with Ask a Black Guy is uh, this particular question. It came in on June 9th, 2020 at 10.06 a.m. And the question reads as follows. What is your most prominent memory of police brutality slash racism against you? Well, um, first off, uh, thanks so much for this question Um, and just taking the time to share it. Um, I think for myself, if I were to tell you about uh, my most prominent memory, um, I was working in Orlando, Florida at Disney World at a water park, um, and one, the fact that they made me what's called a slide operator there instead of a lifeguard because they assumed I did not know how to swim, that was... A whole other thing. But but anyway, I was working at this place called Typhoon Lagoon in Disney World in uh, Orlando, Florida, or I guess technically Kissimmee. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm working there as a slide operator, and I was working on a water slide that was like a straight drop down. And um, there was a Caucasian couple that had made their way up onto the ride. And as they were walking up to the slide, I asked them, I said, hey, uh, it's part of my duty to ask you guys to remove your goggles. Um, from around your faces because the way the slide is set up they can stick and you know actually cause lacerations or even pull hair and you know it's just uncomfortable so I was just asking them to comply with the rules of the park as I'm supposed to do with my job for the safety and the joy of all the other people because you know Disney World's the happiest place on earth but um as I was asking them that, uh, the gentleman towards turned towards me and he says, I don't have to do anything. I can wear what I want to, you stupid fucking nigger. And man, <laughs> I had never been directly called the N-word before. And <laughs> I know most people think of me as this like jovial person, but um man, I was, I was angry. And he said that to me and immediately him and his, um, partner, they, they jumped into the slide and just took off. Everything in me wanted to hit what's called the E stop or the emergency stop. If I did that, all the water would stop on the slide. It would have been just been nasty, right? Cause they're going down this straight drop slide. But even then I had compassion and I thought, man, I don't want to do that. And I didn't want anything to happen to the young lady. So I immediately picked up my phone as they're sliding down. And I called the lifeguard at the end of the slide, the other operator. And I called him and said, Hey, there's a couple coming down. I need you to hold them. And, um, <laughs> I need you to hold them. I hung up the phone and then I called the main guard shack and I suggested they should get someone over there. Cause I, cause it was about to be bad. And um, so I, I put my phone down and I can't go down the slide because I, I had stopped it, but I needed to go down the stairs and to get to the foot of the of, of the slide. So I just beeline down those stairs as quick as I can. And um, I guess the best way I can put it is to say that all I could see was red. Like I was just angry, angry to my core. And it was like the whole time I was making my way down those stairs, I was just thinking about all the people that looked like me that had been disrespected and people that had been hugged from trees and drugged behind trucks. And the sense of rage that was in me was um, completely overwhelming. So by the time I made it down those stairs and all of these thoughts were just racing through my head and the disrespect and the hate, um, all I had left in me was hate in vengeance because I wanted him to suffer. Um, So I get to the bottom of the stairs, I make my way over to the bottom of the slide and I get there and the other lifeguard says he couldn't get them to stay. And I just took off roaming around the park, literally, literally with tears in my eyes, my fist balled, and I am sure a shadow of rage, right, or a shadow, like a cloud of rage, hanging over my head. And I spent the next eight minutes or so really searching the park, trying to find them before a couple of my coworkers found me and convinced me to to go what they call offstage at Disney and go behind the scenes at the guard shack. And at this point, probably 10, almost 15 minutes probably had passed. And I was so angry backstage. There was these large metal trash cans. And as soon as I got backstage, I just, I started punching things and one thing was the metal trash can. So I, I mean, I, I just, I just welled on that thing and, um, I let go and try to get all that frustration out. And, um, they eventually, you know, got me to calm down some and I got to the guard shack and and I was just kind of talking, you know, trying to, trying to talk me down and and my closest friend there, um, after I kind of calmed down, he was like, Hey bro, you know, let me see your hands. Um, He said, I'm just trying to look at your hands. And I was like starting to kind of come back to myself. And I'm wondering, why does he want to look at my hands and stuff? He's like, I'm just trying to make sure. Are your hands broken? Are they whatever? I'm like, no, dude, my hands aren't broken. They're fine. And um, he's like, I want you to come here for a second. And so he walks me over to the metal trash can and he points at it and he goes, I thought you had broke your hands or something because you did it in this, this thick, heavy industrial metal trash can with your fist. And um, at that point, the guard shack, the, the guy that ran the guard shack, our shift supervisor, came out, sends me home and you know tells me that they found the guy and that they were kicking him out of the park. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it, this isn't maybe the type of story you would expect, right? You would think there was like this big incident that happened, but There is something about being called that with the type of hate, the type of disrespect that that guy did that I lost sight of really everything that I thought that I was, you know, in that moment, I felt a rage, man, that I cannot begin to put into words. And I know there's people that go, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But screw that. (laughs) That moment, that day, being called that hurt, okay? And that hurt centered around the idea of just how my ancestors were treated. When I thought about how, how hard my mom and dad worked for me to go to school and for me to be respectable and for me to be all these different things, to think that someone just took that away in an instance, just completely... Um, it, overlooked the hard work that I put into myself, that even in that moment when I was trying to do my job, trying to keep you safe, you know, you just, you try to take every part of my being and denigrate it, you know, um, and it, it makes you ask the question sometimes as, as a black person, you, in my head I go, dude, I've, I've gone to school, I've, I've checked all the boxes, um, I've I've accepted your I've I've learned your culture maybe even better than you have I've blended in I've integrated into this system this fabric of America and here I am in the happiest place on earth doing everything I can to put smiles on people's face and you just you decide to snatch everything away from me because of the color of my skin you know I don't, I'm not sure how we. Make that something that's plausible for other people. But in that moment, when I tell you all I saw was red, I did not care about jail. I did not care about my education. I I even let go of the sacrifices my parents had made for me because in that moment, I was ready to lose it all. It was not about what was right and what was wrong or excuse me, what was rational. But my soul to my bone had been offended And it's as if it was at the point to where it just had to be corrected. Because if not my life, then hopefully the lives of those around me, both brown and white, would be better because they saw how hurtful that word was to me and how far it pulled me away from the person I hope to be. So that's probably my most um, memorable racist moment is when... That guy uh, had the nerve to call me the N-word in front of so many people and just completely disregard what I was trying to do and the man that I was raised to be. It was like it made me feel as if nothing I could do would ever just finally make me good enough, that I was constantly going to be living under the shadow and under the negative perspective of being black and not being valued. All right, guys, Um, I hope that that was helpful for you. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can join me again on Thursday. I'll be releasing these every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, but uh, on the next episode, we're going to be talking about uh, microaggressions. And the question is, how often do I experience microaggressions or minor forms of racism? All right, join me on Thursday and we'll dive right into it.